Alright, welcome everybody. Episode 11, Devil's Army Cast. Here, myself, James, and Chris, just a duo this What's going morning. What's going on, everybody? Um, you guys will be listening to this on Thursday morning. We'll be dropping it. Like I said, episode 11, jersey number 11, Devil's History. Chris, give me a number, or give me a player. Uh, it's got to be John Madden. Okay, okay. I'm going to go, I'll go Steven Gianta. Oh, old yes, yes, Gianta. yes. Uh, but, all right, basically what we're going to do this episode is all game two of the qualifying round series have been played. So we're going to go through those series, talk about them. Some game threes uh, have been played as well. Actually, as we're recording this, I have the game three of the Predators Coyotes game on the background. And I think Chris has the round robin game on the background. Yeah, I got both, uh, both Bruins on the screen right now, but they're at intermission. So I got a lot looking at Preds, uh, Yotes, which is just a crazy game. So basically all the game, all the, uh, excuse me, all the breakdown series games we're going to talk about are games that have been played up until about five o'clock on Wednesday, which is the time we're recording this. We're going to go through each round robin uh, series or games. We're going to go team by team breakdown. We'll start out in the East first and move to the West and we'll move to the qualifying round series and uh, talk about each series, what we've seen so far. And that'll be that for our next release. Episode 12 is going to be after the series, the qualifying round series are all over with. Um, so we're thinking Monday will that, that'll be released, but that can always change. So we'll keep you updated there. So without further ado, let's just kick, get this kicked off. We're going to start out. Let's do this. East, like I said, first team we're going to talk about is Tampa Bay. As of right now, well, they're playing the Bruins right now, but their first game they played, they beat the Caps in the shootout. They jumped mm-hmm. out to an early 2-0 lead. Um, it was a very, very even game, in my opinion. Um, it could have went either way. I know they choked away yeah. a 2-0 lead, but Tampa, uh, Washington played well as well. Uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky looked great. Um, I mean, did you take away anything else from this game? Just uh, Tampa-wise? I mean, wise? I we'll think talk about Washington Tampa, a little bit. We, I think we know Tampa's loaded. Um and for me, with Washington, my my greatest, I guess, question mark or variable for how successful they will be remains to be, you know, Holtby. Uh, looked like playoff Holtby between the Caps and the, the Bolts in that first game there. If they can get that the rest of the way, Washington's got a good shot. But if they got regular season Holtby, I mean, it can go south pretty quick. Yeah, um, like my notes here for Washington was Holtby was – I mean, he wasn't spectacular, but he was fine. He was perfectly yeah. fine, and that's all they need from him. Um, and like Chris, you just said, I totally agree. Their success, Washington's success in these playoffs, depends solely on how he is able to uh, do because they don't have any Samsonov to play. Um, Samsonov yeah. would have been my choice to be the number one going in these playoffs, but he uh, had an injury, I believe, so he isn't participating. Um, Tampa Bay's next game is currently happening now, and they're currently beating Boston 2 nothing. They also still don't have Stamkos, I'm pretty sure. And Braden Point and Kucherov are just dynamic yeah. right now. And as for Washington, their next game is Thursday versus the Flyers at 4 o'clock. Talking about the Flyers, that's the team we're going to speak about next. They've only played one game, and they beat Boston 4-1. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let Chris go ahead. Talk talk on your thoughts about this Boston Philly game first, and I'll give my thoughts on it. 
It, it was very impressive. Um, I mean, Philly seems to be rolling exactly from where they were when the shutdown started. Um, for me, I was surprised it was a 4-1 victory. I thought it would be a little bit closer. Um, I thought Boston would give more of a tough time, but it seemed like Philly just dominated the whole game. And it's really making me question, you know, how ready is Boston, you know, Um if I were to put like these four teams, Tampa, Philly, Boston, and Washington, and how much confidence I have in them, I got the least amount of confidence in Boston right now, to be honest, just watching them play. They're gotcha. at work, it seems like, in the two games so far. So I'm going to kind of like say the complete opposite you said in the way. The Flyers did get it done. They beat Boston 4 1. And looking at that score, you're probably thinking what Chris said. Um, Carter Hart was amazing in that game. Mm-hmm. He played very, very well. And yeah. that's great to see for Flyers because, of course, you know, playoff hockey needs strong goaltending. The depth scoring, also, if you look at the box score, Scott Lawton was on the um, score to goal. Nate Thompson had a goal. And Michael Roffel had two points. Mm-hmm. Flyers were able to get that depth scoring continuously because usually they're very reliant on their top. Um, Claude Drew, Sean Couturier, uh, Jacob Borchek, those kind of guys. If they get depth scoring, that's going to make them even more dangerous. But yeah. I think I'd lie of the game and the reason why it looked so one side in Philly's favor is Yaroslav Halak played like garbage. Um, when looking at expected goals, you see Boston had four. Uh, their expected goals number is four. They only scored once and Philly's expected goals was only 1.31. So that tells mm-hmm. you right there how bad Halak played. Um, now, I'm not saying Boston was the better team because, I mean, they lost 4-1, but I don't think the score was as telling as it was. I think you really need to break down the game. I think look for at sure those you can say and, it's different if Rask is in. Yeah. You know, and Rask is playing a good game. You know, if he's in there, he's playing a good game. It's different. I mean, I was surprised, honestly, to see Halak in that, you know, um, it's interesting because you basically got teams who are taking it seriously for the seeding, and you've got teams who are like, you know, We'll play like a game or two if we're going strong. We'll keep going. If not, we'll rest our guys, basically. You know, I'm sure Boston, in my opinion, I'm sure Cassie might have just wanted to get Halak more time. He's like, hey, we're not playing elimination. We're just well, playing Well, isn't ready to so, go yet. Oh, he's not? No, he's he still listed as unfit game. to play. Um, they No, they've listed him as unfit to play. Um, that's a big thing more on Boston, talking about Boston here is – they can't go out there and uh, actually going back to what I said before about the expected goals. I read that total wrong. Boston had 2.82 and Flyers only had 1.31. So it's still in favor of Boston. It shows that Halak did not have a good game, but it wasn't as big as I said it was before. But going back, Halak, uh, Rask is listed as unfit to play, and that's the reason why he didn't play. And uh, Cassidy keeps explaining how they're hopeful for him to come back soon. And I think their success, like Washington's, is going to hinge on how Rask is when he gets back. Now, I don't think – I think this game was just an outlier for Locke. He was great during the year, and if Rask isn't fully healthy, I'm sure they'll still be fine given the firepower Boston had and the way they played. Mm-hmm. Unlike you, Chris, I'm not as worried for Boston. Um, I still – have Washington um, more worried about Washington than Boston just because the whole Hopi ordeal. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I stand there. And we got a little breaking news here. Taylor Hall just put a power play goal in the back of the net. Um, looks like he shattered the net camera in doing so. And looks like the Oats are going to take a game three somehow. Um, we'll talk about this series a little later, but the Oats do not deserve to be up 2-1 in that series. Yeah, it's just but, a wild game. Um, 
Yeah, so that's Tampa, Philly, Boston, and Washington so far. Do you have anything you want to add on these four teams before we move on to the Western Conference? I mean, I guess just retouching on like my confidence factor in each one. Um, I agree with what you said, but for me, my reasoning is just that I feel like Tampa, Philly, and Washington, you could see like an extra gear kind of kick in with their game. And I don't think I've necessarily seen that from Boston. And, you know, like we said, Rask being in that versus Halak could be a huge difference for that. But it just seems like the other three teams have had an extra gear they've gotten into and Boston's kind of just, you know, remained as they are. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I mean, everyone has their own opinion and we'll ultimately see Mm -hmm. how it plays out very early on still yeah i mean this is one exhibition game for each team here so uh this is just real early speculation yeah um so we're gonna move on to the west now we'll start with vegas and we'll move through vegas played dallas in the first game and oh man what a game this was uh Mm -hmm. so out of the gate Vegas' defense was shaky, and even if you look at their lineup, um, that's where I guess you could say their weakness might be is their bottom part of their defense. But they settled in, and they had an explosive third period against Dallas. They were down 3-1 during the period, I believe, and they ended up winning the game 5-3. William Carrier, uh, Carrier, that's his name, correct? Um, He scored Mm -hmm. a uh, between-the-legs, like, back-facing a net goal late in the third to put them up 4-3, and then they put the empty netter to uh, ultimately seal the deal 5-3. Their core C4 percentage was 60%, which is unreal, and in that sense, Dallas struggled, and they also had the expected goals advantage by a pretty good margin against Dallas. I'm in love with these Vegas Golden Knights. I love them as my Stanley Cup champs pick, and I'm eager to see how they do Thursday against St. Louis. Um, you want to talk a little bit about more about Vegas, my friend? I mean, I think you hit all the nails on the head. We knew Vegas was dynamic. We knew they were dangerous. Um, you know, Dallas, I think I said in the beginning that you want to get Ben Bishop some help. You know, he can he can keep you in games, but you got to you got to do something for him. You got to put some pucks in the net for Dallas. So I'm not surprised at the outcome. I think Vegas is a very, very, very strong contender to go all the way yep. this year. So nothing really new, but it was still fun to watch. So we'll talk a little bit about Dallas now. Um, overall, it was an ugly game for them. Um, and I think out of the West, this is definitely the team I'm most worried about. And I think if you mm. want to look at all eight of the round robin teams, um, this is the one I'm most concerned about, even looking at the Eastern teams as well. It was an ugly game to start for them. Um, I mean, they did grab that 3-1 lead. A lot had to do with like a lucky bounce here or there or something, something to go with that. Um, and the Yotes just put in another goal, I believe, is an empty netter. So that's a 4-1 game now. So that's all but over. Um, back to Dallas here. They really didn't deserve that 3-1 lead going into the third period. Um, as they've been all year, they've just been overly reliant on Ben Bishop, and that needs to change ASAP if they want to be competitive once the actual playoffs for them roll around. Have anything yeah. more to say on Dallas? No, I mean, we knew that Ben Bishop was going to be the rock in the net. Uh, we knew that they had a decent, pretty good decor. But again, you're paying those top guys, Sagan and Ben. And if they're not scoring and you're not getting any depth scoring, you're in trouble real quick. Yes, sir. Um, we'll move on to the Colorado and St. Louis matchup. Uh, me and you, we had differing opinions on this game. We'll get into it. Mm-hmm. In a bit, uh, the Blues went, jumped out to an early lead. Was that goal on the power play? I forget. Uh, I 
don't think so. It was okay, a David Perron shot, one timer. I don't think it was on the power play. Gotcha. So the Blues did jump out to an early lead, in my opinion, and um, the numbers I saw. Oh, we got a full out brawl in this Arizona game right now. But, yeah, that's um, not a surprise. The numbers I looked at after the first period showed that Colorado was the better team. Um, mm-hmm. Third period, they scored twice. Nazim Kadri had a sick buzzer beater, and um, that picture we see going around on Twitter, the uh, Renaissance painting picture people are comparing it to. It's a great picture. You see Kadri, the puck bounced out, and after you put it in with like 0.2 seconds left on the clock. Um, in the end, the abs had the advantage in course four against expected goals against scoring chances, high danger chances, all that good stuff. And they also ultimately won two one Grubauer looked good too, which is pretty good for them. And they played Dallas actually today. Um, today's Wednesday at six 30 and Pavel Francois or however you say his name is going to be in the net for them. Um, let me see what I have here on St. Louis. Um, they weren't bad, I don't think. And you'll say no. your opinion it on game. it as well. Um, I, I still think they were outplayed. Um, Bennington was really good, and he had to mm-hmm. be because Colorado was throwing a lot of stuff at him. Expected goals in the end were 2.82 to 1.82. So, I mean, the game was perfectly scored in that matter. Um, Colorado won by a goal, and I think that's fair to say that they were a goal better. Um and I mentioned this in the previous episode. I am a little worried about St. Louis just because like their numbers all year haven't been pretty in terms of analytics. They do say, as Chris mentioned, they play this like structured game and keep everything to the outside, which is great. But once you start letting those chances creep in, you could be in for a long run, especially someone like Jordan Binghamton, who will have to continue to be good. But um, I still have them third in this group. I think they're better than Dallas and they should be okay but who knows we'll see so I'll let you Chris now talk on this game so I know you had a different opinion than me yeah so, I mean you? it was definitely a game we were looking forward to um in my in my opinion this is where James and I kind of viewed it differently uh we know Colorado's a fast team they play with speed that's how, how they're so dangerous um and St. Louis they're very defensive minded but also they're very physical they want to wear you down and that's a great way to neutralize speed is, you know, trying to control it, basically. I mean, I remember in the first period, I saw Keel McCarr coming around the net, and he was a little bit more worried about getting hit. And all it takes is just having that in the back of a player's mind anytime they're touching the puck, and that can create the smallest, you know, accident that turns into a goal. Um, in my opinion, I felt like St. Louis was trying to basically not let the abs just run all over. They were trying to keep it a controlled game. And, that and was that's what you got to do against them. On it. Yeah, which, I mean, it, it's you can still kind of control, not let the game get out of control, and the abs still benefit in terms of those advanced stats and everything. And, I mean, that's why we saw it was such a close game. You know, it literally went down to the last millisecond uh, yeah. for someone to win. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a super crazy high-scoring game. Um but I, that that's where we just kind of viewed it a little differently. Um, that that was yeah. my interpretation of what St. Louis was trying to do. You know, they were fine with, you know, the game going a certain way as long as they could feel like they had some slight control over the ass speed. Because if you don't yeah, know that, that's how they just light up the scoreboard. Exactly. And you're 100% right by saying that. Um, and I, by no means am I saying here like St. Louis was dominated. I mean, even the expected yeah. goals total said uh, Colorado was only one goal better, which in the end they were. Um, but yeah, those are two good teams. I'm really excited to see what Colorado does moving forward. I think they're going to be a dangerous team, um, yeah. especially if Grubeyer, um continues to look solid. But now 
that's all we have here for the four teams in the West. Chris, any final thoughts here before we move on to the actual qualifying round series? I think Vegas and Colorado definitely stand out as the two stronger teams. Agree. Uh, St. Louis is kind of a, a toss up, you know. Um, it just depends. Their their style of game is just wearing down whatever team they play. Uh, and Dallas, you know, I I just I hope they can pull some stuff together, but I really just am not seeing it at this point. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat with you there. Uh, I got those three. I think they're pretty far above. Not far, but I think they're a decent bit better than Dallas. But mm-hmm. we're going to move on. Qualifying round now. All these series we got. We're going to start in the east and then move out west. We'll start with the 5-12 matchup with Pittsburgh and Montreal. This series was tied up last night at 1-1. Um, game three is going to be tonight at eight o'clock. So you'll be listening to this tomorrow after we, uh, talk about what we expect to happen in game three. So we could say really good things and call a game, or you could roast us by with what we're about to say. (laughs) Um, game one penguins dominated Montreal was bailed out by Carey Price. It's almost like everyone expected that, but um, this was the whole argument with the setup, you know, Price and Kane for Chicago, you know, just stealing a game. Yep, Uh, and that's what happened in game one. Uh, Pittsburgh had an expected goal of 4.44. That's unreal. And what was the final score in that game? 2-1 or 3-2? What was it? Uh, Let me try and pull it up real quick. But um, anyway, this game ended up going to overtime, and Montreal was the better team in overtime. When you look at numbers and watching the game, Petrie cashed in a uh, slap shot from the point, um, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Petrie did have the game winner. Yeah, he uh, had a little something from the point. Um, Game two was pretty much the same story. but Pittsburgh was finally re- uh, rewarded for how they played. Their expected goal this time was 5.51. So, I mean, they're really dominating here. And Montreal mm-hmm. only had a 1.7 expected goal. Price was the lead again. He played very, very well. And overall, between in these two games, he's faced 78 shots and made 74 saves for a nine point or a 0.949 save percentage. Mm-hmm. So he's doing all he can. Pittsburgh's firepower is just too much. Jake Gensel's been unreal for Pittsburgh. He has a goal and the two assists, and he played, he's across the two games he's played almost 50 minutes. Um, he's got he really played, good chemistry with Crosby. Yeah, not just played, like Crosby dishing to him, but him dishing to Crosby. Yeah, he played 26 minutes in, uh, or yeah, 26 minutes in that first game, and about 20 minutes in game two. Uh, Murray was a bit shaky in game one. I do want to say that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he was a bit shaky. Game two, he's perfectly fine a rebound, which is good to see for Pitt fans. Yeah, he had a um, big so start ahead. to the third period against Montreal. Yeah, so go ahead, Chris. Um, speak about this series. Yeah, I mean, I think to. it's going to come down to uh, a battle of. <laughs> Pittsburgh versus Carey Price. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is their offense, you know, can Carey Price, you know, keep Montreal in it long enough for them to try and take advantage of some opportunities. Uh, like I said, Murray had a strong third period in game two. Uh, you know, whether you want to call it Montreal coming out strong, Pittsburgh coming out flat to start the third or a combination of both. Murray had to make some big saves there to start it. Um, I think it's just if Pittsburgh can get adequate goaltending, you know, then they should take this series no problem. But yeah, if I there's agree. question marks in net, I mean, you're, there's a very good chance Price could easily steal a game or a series. So, 
Yeah, I mean, if if games one and two is anything like the rest of the series, I think it's going to be where pitches relentlessly on uh, price. I think this game's probably going to uh, the series probably going to be over sooner rather than later. I yeah. think that's going to be able to pull it out in four games, just because I mean, Carey Price has already faced seventy eight shots in only two games, and these games are all really close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the beginning, I was a little foolish and fell into the trap of. Uh, thinking that Montreal had a chance here just because, I don't know, Pittsburgh, they like seem to amaze me every year how like they do have that firepower up top, but I don't think they have all that great depth. And, I mean, every year they're just out yeah. here proving, proving me wrong. But um, yeah. I mean, the one thing with Montreal is they were in it for the majority of game two. It wasn't like they were out of it. Um, they, were, they were lingering around. You know, it wasn't like Pittsburgh completely dominated. So. Yeah, and that's, of course, thanks to Mr. Price. But um, mm. we'll move on now. And we had our first series end. It's the only series at uh, the time we're recording this at 5.15 p.m. on Wednesday. The Unfortunately, the Carolina Hurricanes defeated the New York Rangers. Um, <laughs> they swept them. They brought out the brooms. The Rangers' yep. defense is what? They were during the regular season. It was not good. Yeah. Um, the Rangers had to go with Henrik Lundqvist and Nett for the first two games. Igor Shosturkin was listed as unfit to play. He played game three, and guess what? It didn't matter. Um, Carolina steamrolled the Rangers in that game. The Carolina needs to be given more respect. Um, they really do. They do. I know the goaltending questions. The goaltending wasn't great, but, I mean, it was fine. And I mean, Reimer was amazing. In that didn't, final game, they uh, Reimer didn't go all three, right? Marazic no, had they, game one. They, uh, yeah, I think Marazic had game one and two, and they went to Reimer for game three to back get him some back. action. Wasn't it so, back to back too? Yeah, it was back to back. So uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, like I said, put some more respect on the Carolina Hurricanes name. Um, yeah, they're great if their goaltending is. Even decent as it continues, the Hurricanes have a real shot to making another run here. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian Ajo was absolutely insane. That one move where he undressed. It was Tony D'Angelo, right? Yeah. Or was it Truba? Who's one of them? He, well, he, he, he bullied Truba on the boards and took the puck away, and then he just walked D'Angelo uh, and scored top shelf on, like, one skate. So, <laughs> yeah, good stuff here. Um, the only thing we got to worry about now, my friends, is the Rangers have a 12.5% chance at winning Alexis Lafreniere. And so we'll uh, keep her fingers crossed there. That doesn't occur. But um, the good yeah, news is they don't have Taylor Hall. They don't. The Coyotes have Taylor Hall and Taylor Hall has been doing very well for them, which is good to see. But um, yeah, anything else you want to add here? I think. Pretty self-explanatory. Goodbye, Rangers. I mean, out of all the series, I I could have been wrong predicting that I am totally okay with being wrong. Uh, Oh, yeah. we got to go through our predictions (laughs) there when we run through it. Yeah. James, I believe, did uh, pick Carolina. I did. I did. I I was a very big advocate of Carolina. I let people know I picked them too. But when we we get to this Florida series next, you could yell at me for being wrong. We both also picked Pitt in the Pitt-Montreal series as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, and, I said um, like it'd be worth a look for an upset, but I did end up picking yeah. it in the end. So, I mean, um, Carolina, you know, they, they got the goaltending, and that was for me the biggest question. I thought that even though the Rangers' defense was shaky, that their goaltending core was a little bit better than Carolina's, and the Rangers' core, you know, saying shaky was an understatement in this series. <laughs> um, I think it was like probably the worst it's been like all year. Am I correct in saying that? Would you say? 
yeah, on defense. Yeah, you're very correct. Yeah, so, you know, Carolina shut me up with that goaltending. If they get that the rest of the way, I mean, they're they're lethal, man. And uh, yeah. Sveshnikov had a very good game in that final elimination game. And now uh, the question mark just goes, what happens? Have the Rangers fans watched Lundqvist, you know, dressing the blue shirts for the last time? You know, what are they going to do with that three-headed goalie situation? You know, Gorgiev dressed the first two games, didn't dress the third. What happens there? That's going to be a topic this offseason, and it's basically going to start now. Yeah, just one more point I want to say here before we move on. Um, a lot of people blamed Lindy Ruff for the reason why the Rangers' defense was so bad, and of course, Rangers fan loved to point that out, especially since yeah. the Devils hired him. But guess what? He wasn't fully, solely the issue. The Rangers' defense is brutal, and I think a lot has to do with David Quinn as well, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Last series, or second to last series in the East we're going to talk about is Florida and the Islanders. The Islanders mm. had a 2-0 lead when they started today, but Florida was able to take a game, so it's 2-1 headed into next game being Friday. For me, I thought the first two games were pretty even. Um, Islanders had game one, the expected goals advantage by a short margin. Um, game two, I believe Florida had the advantage there and expected goals, but they still took the L. Um, the big mm-hmm. big determining factor in the series, and I'm sure you'll agree here, is special teams. Yeah. Um, the Islanders had a power play goal decide game one for them. And game two, the Islanders had seven power plays and scored on two of them. And, yeah, so that's my take on game one and two. you have anything to say about the first two games here, Chris, before we break down game three? I mean, the it, just typical Islanders hockey, um, trying to control and dictate play. They don't care if they get outshot as long as it's on their terms. Um, take advantage of their opportunities when they can because, you know, other than, I guess, maybe Barzell, there's no real, like, superstars on the team, just a bunch of uh, guys who can play some great hockey together. So, not surprised at how the first two games went. Um, I'm not surprised either that the Islanders ended up two games to none. I was expecting a different outcome today, but we will get into that. Yeah, so game three, um, the Islanders were the better team at even strength, and once again, came down to special teams. Florida was two for five on the power play. Mike Hoffman had a laser beam of a goal. He's been mm-hmm. great this series for Florida. Um, overall, the series, I don't know. In the end, I think it's just been kind of a mess because you look yeah. at like these fancy stats and they tell you who from those stats should have won this game, should have won that game. And each game, the answer has not been what the stats are telling you. Yeah. Um, the first two periods, the Panthers were, in my opinion, pretty in control of the game. The Islanders really pushed hard in the third period. Yeah. I I picked Panthers in this series, and I kind of regret it a little bit. But if – I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to be wrong here in the end. I think the Islanders end up pulling it out ultimately, especially with the 2-1 lead. It'll be hard to blow that, but we've seen weirder things happen. I think game three really – could go either way just the way the series has been going but i mean uh, i have no idea you could talk about this a little more this series got stumped i mean we like i said the islanders will take any opportunity they can and try and convert on it and that's actually what ended up happening at the end of the second period like i think maybe there was two seconds or like there were seconds left in the second period when the islanders tied it to make it one one um and it was just a just a simple mistake by Florida, and that's all it took. Just one mistake, and the Islanders tied it going into the third, which, you know, questions what who's got momentum going into the third. Um, but Florida was able to strike first. Uh, 
I mean, I remember they, they still made mistakes. They went up 3-1. The Islanders were able to score, make it 3-2 with about yeah, 30 very left. End of the game. Yep. And uh, still some stuff they got to clean up. I wasn't a fan of, you know, how they scored the Islanders, how the Islanders scored the second goal. I thought Florida made a mistake. Um, one of their players, you know, lost his helmet, and the new rule is, like, you have to either pick it up or go to the bench or you're going to get a minor. Um, I think in that situation, you got to grab your bucket and – you, you know, just stay in a shooting lane or something because you're already six on five. You go to the bench, you're taking yourself out of the play while the Islanders have the puck. That's a six on four. And, you know, all it took was a little puck lock off of Aaron Ekblad's skate to end up in the back of the net. So we'll see what adjustments each team makes. I think the the game four is going to be a fun one to watch. Um, yeah, in terms I'm very of intrigued. Who's trying to outwit the other. So. Yeah, like I said, I have no idea what to expect next in this game, this uh, series, or the series. The series have been all over the place. I mean, I'm hoping Florida pulls it out just because I don't like the Islanders, and I picked Florida to win the series. But mm-hmm. you never know. We'll see. That game four now is on Friday. Um, so, yeah. We'll move on to the last series in the East we're going to be uh, talking about before we move out West. Columbus and Toronto. Game one here, I was surprised because Columbus kind of played Toronto's game. They played a high-paced, high-event type game. You did see a little bit Columbus's like hint of what they're built on and their like tough system where they keep everything to the outside. As Toronto's expected goal was only 1.87, so that does show they kept a lot of stuff outside. But it was a very high-event game, up and down the ice, all that stuff, and that's the type of game Toronto wants to play, right? Yeah, they're very much a use their skill, you know, just like I said, Austin Matthews was scaring me on the Instagram with stuff I was seeing in practice before this started. So they're very much a, a push the pace, be dynamic. You know, that's how they want to play. <laughs> yeah, and that's what they did in game one. Columbus was able to play that game and pretty handedly took care of Toronto. Game two is a different story. They played this type of game again, but Toronto was able to excel and expected goals was 4.62 to 1.87. So Toronto dominated. They got the dub, uh, 3-0 shutout, I believe. Freddie Anderson was solid, 20-save shutout. Austin Matthews broke through, had a goal and assist. Um, Jonas Corposalo played for the um, Jackets that game. He was pretty good, too. He, I think Toronto had almost 40 shots, so he had to be good. He kept it close for a little bit there. Um, if this happens again where Toronto plays their type of game, Columbus is screwed, and I think Toronto is going to run away this series, and that's what I think is going to happen in the end. But Columbus has surprised us in the past. Uh, but for me, I still got Toronto here. Uh, Chris? So I did pick the Leafs in this series, and uh, I, I am second-guessing that uh, choice <laughs> <laughs> based off how it's gone so far. Um, I know and, and I saw this on NBC. I think they were the ones who pointed it out. Basically, your main matchup is uh, Seth Jones versus Austin Matthews, you know. Uh, Jones is a very strong defensive player, and he's very fast as well. Um, a, a lot of things go into it. But if you can get your top guys to score like Tavares, Matthews, uh, Marner, you know, there's no reason that the Leafs shouldn't win. Um, but I just I think I said it in our chat. You just you can't bet against a, a torts coached team in the playoffs. You just can't, apparently. So, yeah. Um, so that's that. We'll see what game three brings for us. And game three is Thursday night. Wow, that series is a little behind the rest, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so now we're going to move out west. And what's been the most exciting series by far? The Chicago Edmonton series. I mean, yes. man, 19 total goals in two games. Yes. Um, game one started out hot for Edmonton, but the Hawks were like, no way. And they grabbed, what, a 4-1 lead going into the first intermission? Yeah. Mike Smith was terrible. And I have no idea what they were thinking at starting. Well, I do know what they were thinking in starting him. They thought because of his track record in the playoffs, he has really good stats yeah. in the playoffs, believe it or not, going back to his days with the uh, Phoenix Coyotes. But, I mean, that track record doesn't mean nothing now. He's a totally different player. They should have started Nico Koskinen game one. He ended up starting him game two. He played fine. Um, he wasn't anything special because – Chicago compared to game one, didn't really produce like opportunities, but still put up three goals on the board. But I mean, he played a lot better than Smith did, and they got to keep Ryan Kuskin in there. Um, Patty Kane's doing Patty Kane things, which is awesome to see. Connor McDavid's doing Connor McDavid things. He had the Hattie. That second goal he scored, where he bursted down the ice with that speed, he flipped the puck over someone's stick, then he yeah. went on, uh, went in all alone, backhanded over the goalie's shoulder. That's vintage Connor McDavid, and how exciting is that to see? Yeah, so I mean, we know that they tried to implement more of a defensive structure this year, and for McDavid, you know, try and make it a little bit more defensively responsible. We already know how offensively dynamic he is and can change a game. So, I mean. It's nice to see McDavid get a chance like that in the open space. It's it's amazing to watch, even though we've seen it like 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. <laughs> so, Yep. Um, in the end, I'm still standing by my pick, the Chicago pick. I still oh, think it. Edmonton's overrated. Um, their defense is miserable. I know you explained how they tried to help out McDavid there defensively because McDavid himself uh, is – Little as it's, I mean, I guess it's talked about. He's not all that good defensively, and either is mm-hmm. uh, Leon Dreisaitl. They got some work to do there. Yeah. Um, in the end, I think Corey Crawford gives them an edge. Miko Kaiskinen had a good year, but I think Crawford's a better goalie in this situation, and that's mm-hmm. what it's ultimately going to come down to. Game three is actually tonight, so uh, tonight, Wednesday night at 10.30. So when you guys listen to this tomorrow and Edmonton beats the crap out of Chicago, you'd be like, oh, what's the city of James talking about? But I don't know. We'll see. Let's go Blackhawks. Yeah, exactly. Let's um, go Hawks. You know, we'll see if Dave Tippett, he was brought in bringing some defensive structure to the team. We'll see what happens tonight. So, Okay, we're going to move on to the Coyotes and National Series, and this makes me all kinds of sad. Um, <laughs> so, of course, the Devils have the Yotes pick, and if the Yotes lose this series, they'll transfer the Devils unless the Yotes get that Taylor Hall magic and win the lottery. If the Devils get the Yotes pick this year, it'll be like a top 10 pick, and it'd be beautiful, man. That's why you really need the Preds to win here. And in a, a top 10 pick in a draft as deep as this one is would be so great for the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the Preds deserve to be up in this series. I mean, if you told me the Preds were up 3-0 in this series, and I was looking at the stats, and it was a sweep it was over with, I totally believe you. But the Yotes, resilient team, up to one this series. They actually took the game three five minutes ago i guess in a sense when you look at the analytics and all that stuff it favors the preds very slightly so it's not crazy that the yotes have the advantage game three is a different story game three is all the predators and the preds scored it was a soft goal over kemper's shoulder but Mm -hmm. matthew shane who was on the other side of the ice 
was offsides. And I mean, the dude wasn't even the play. I have no idea what he's doing. But just a little bit after that, Connor Garland scored a nice goal, um, cutting through the middle, put the uh, put the Yotes up, and then Taylor Hall put in that insurance power play goal, and that was that. So game four now is Friday. The Yotes can finish this one off. They're up 2-1. Chris, talk about the series a little more. Yeah, I mean, it's basically been a series where the Coyotes have not necessarily owned each game, but they've just taken advantage of their opportunities when they presented themselves. I mean, it was crazy today. We were laughing how, you know, the Predators had like 12 shots and Arizona still did not have a shot in the game. It's like 13-1 or 17-1. Yeah. They they get their first shot and you know it, credit it was a, a tip play it wasn't an accident Dvorak was very good with the hand eye coordination but one shot one goal on a tip redirect after you know the Preds pretty much owned the beginning of that game twelve shots to none so they owned the first and third period um, you could argue that the Yotes were slightly better in the second period of game three but I'd still give the Preds a slight advantage. But um, yeah, sometimes and I know we rack don't win the games, game. but I don't know how much you can like attribute, you know, just the bad luck. I mean, like you said, the Preds, you know, analytically and on the ice, they they should have won some games. <laughs> yeah, they should have. But, you know, um, good for the Preds, though. UC Saros has been pretty solid. I mean, there's maybe a softy in there, but I mean, overall, he's yeah. been good. Kemper was amazing game three, but yeah. the first two games he did struggle a little bit. And I think for that reasoning is why I was so confident the Preds were going to win game three. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we all know Arizona is very reliant on their goaltending. And if Darcy Kemper yeah. isn't up to par here, um, that's no good for them. But game three bounced back in a big way. Worth mentioning, Antti Ranta, like, he didn't even play game two, but he left the bench and Aiden Hill came and sat on the bench for the rest of the game. Suppose he got hit in the head with a shot and warm ups and was feeling ill effects from that. So he left mid game and was unfit to play in game three. Something worth monitoring. Um, I mean, it's Kemper's net going forward, but who knows? Yeah. Something happens to Kemper. You'd have to go with Aiden Hill and not Antti Ranta. Like I said, <clears throat> game four is on Friday. We'll see what happens. There, I'd be very surprised if the Preds don't take game four. But I mean, I've been saying this for all the games in this series. I think mm-hmm. the Preds should still eke the series out with a little comeback. But who knows? Chris, any final thoughts on this one? I mean, it's it's only two games. You know, take it one game at a time. Just three games. Predators, Predators win. Well, I mean, you know, the Preds are up 2-1 now, right? So... They yeah. got two games left in the series. First of three. Oh, I thought you meant like uh, you're good. I thought you meant yeah. Like no, only I'm just two games from like a predator's perspective. Taking one yeah. game at a time. Just worry about winning the next one, and then you got a winner take all. You know, uh, they can't they can't keep dominating games and, and losing. That's just horrendous luck. And like I said, I know we rag on Heinze sometimes, but I don't even know if you can blame any of that on him. Just bad bad luck, really. Yeah, and I just saw a tweet. Corey Masick tweeted out. He does work for the Devils on the Athletic. Um, great work. Check it out if you haven't already. He tweeted that if the Yotes beat the Preds in the series, the Devils pick from the Yotes would definitely be coming over this year, but wouldn't be any better than 16th. And uh, it, it most likely be around 17, which, I mean, is fine. The draft's deep, but I mean, going from 9 to 17, that's a big yeah, jump. That's a lot of quality players there. So, uh yeah, I'd rather a top 10 with a chance of losing it going to next year than 17th. But anyway, we'll see how that next game goes. That's been an interesting series. 
We're going to move on to Minnesota-Vancouver. This has been a pretty good series. I, mean, I know game one, Minnesota yeah. shut them out 3-0, but uh, game two last night was great. Mm-hmm. Um, analytical standpoint, this is probably the most, when you're looking at expected goals, this is the most lopsided series. Minnesota has dominated in terms of expected goals. They had 65.88 in game one and a 62.82 share in game two. <clears throat> like the Islander series, the theme of this one has been special teams. There's been a ton of penalty minutes, especially last night. The game was nasty last night. They had like yep. a little discussion after the game. The teams came together. Elias P- Pedersen had a very suspect um, hit from behind on uh, Ryan Hartman that made Hartman leave the game early. It looked like he got like a stick or a hand in the back of the head and gave him like a gave him the business there. Mm-hmm. Um, Staylock was not good last night. He was great game one, and Markstrom's been pretty good both games. He was very good in game two. Yeah. Vancouver, I know they got dominated analytically, but their scores woke up last night. Besser had a goal, probably should have had two or three. Um, JT yeah, Miller Besser had two points. So um, Vancouver fans should be happy to see that. Chris, you could talk about this series now. Yeah, so, I mean, Vancouver showed up for the second game. Um, that's what we saw. Minnesota, I thought they were all right. Um, they just didn't match the level of intensity that Vancouver uh, stepped up to. I believe Hughes did. He opened the scoring for Vancouver last night, right, as well? Correct. Okay. I believe so. Yeah, so. I mean, you're, you're seeing their big guys who need to score, start to score. I know I saw Pedersen with an absolutely phenomenal back check last night uh, that – pretty much saved the goal because the pass was coming back door. Um, it, and Markstrom's in that. He's a Vezina candidate. If Staylock can't, you know, play at a certain level, Vancouver has the edge there. Even if they're not dominating offensively, Markstrom could steal a game. So I know we both picked Minnesota. I still think Minnesota can pull it off. Um, I think they are. I'm, pr- I'm still pretty confident yeah. in Minnesota just because the uh, did show they, had some fight, so. they did. They did 100%. Um, I'm still leaning in Minnesota, though, especially with the uh, the fancy stats. They put out the first two yeah. games. Um, the next game, game three, will be Thursday at 2.30. We're going to move on here. Our last series we're going to discuss on this episode is the Jets-Calgary series. This one's been a weird one. Yeah. Um, Calgary's, I guess, you could say they've been pretty dominant. Um the game one thing, which we'll have a discussion about here in a second, was the hit or whatever you want to call it on Mark Shifley, courtesy of uh, Pesty Matthew Tuchuk. Uh, Paul Maurice, after the game, freaked out and was in this presser called Tuchuk a very dirty player, said the hit was very dirty and all that stuff. I, I really think that was a bit much. I, don't think, I think Maurice went a little uh, overboard there. I looked at yeah. the hit so many times. I do not think it was on purpose in any way. I mean, Chuck was going into the boards pretty hard. He put his skate up just to like brace himself. You know, that's how you stop. Right. I mean, I've never ice skated before, but Chris, right. That's how you I mean, stop when you go on the boards. No, <laughs> Typically you're going to be turning to your side. And I mean, I think he was bracing more for impact than anything. Um, to me, I try, I, I watched like numerous different angles of it. And you never really saw a good, clear feed of Kachuk's feet and Shifley's feet. Um, the feed that Maurice keeps referencing in that first press conference, the blue line cam, that's an NHL only camera. So we literally, the only time we ever see that. that is like if they give it to us when they're reviewing a play, that's it. Like you'll mm-hmm. never see NBC show it until the NHL gives them permission. So yeah, I, I don't think it was a dirty play. I think it was just a freak accident. I think the fact that it was Kachuk 
kind of is why that's the reaction because we do know he does play on the edge. Um, I think it was just a freak accident. That's really all it was. I think Kachuk was definitely going in for a hard hit on Shifley. I think he was definitely going after him. Oh, 100%. I would not that's say that there was an intent to, you know, potentially Agreed. splice his Achilles completely. You know, yeah, no we player still... ever wants to do that. Yeah, uh, unless you're Matt Cook, maybe, but that's, that's a different <laughs> conversation. Um, we still don't know what actually happened to Shifley. I mean, you could speculate that's what it looked like yeah. but with all these remember, unfit to play and all that stuff. That's what yeah, we know I remember about that. reading or hearing that like Kachuk and Shifley are actually like good friends. They like work out in the off season and stuff. So you know, Kachuk was definitely concerned uh, for Shifley after it happened and. It, understandably pissed off in the, the post-game press conference, you know, being painted a villain for something that was just a, I, like I said, I think it's a freak accident and me as well, you know, especially if he's like your friend and you, you actually know him. It's not just like a random dude, you know, that that's going to tick you off. So, yeah. I don't know. so let's, and uh, Chuck mentioned this, uh, he had the answer Blake Wheeler and him scrapped and Chuck handled yeah. himself well. He ended up yeah. getting a dub in that fight too, but <laughs> let's set the stage for game two here. So Winnipeg going in without line A didn't play in this game either. Um, no nope. Mark Shifley. They were beaten in game one and NHL playoffs happened and they surprised everyone and they, they beat the Flames. Off. Now, I don't necessarily think they deserve that game when you look at the game and the box score and everything. It looks like Winnipeg may have gotten a little lucky. Calgary was probably the better team. Game three, don't worry. Everything balanced out. Calgary dominated this one en route to a 6-2 win. Um, we're going to a game four now on Thursday at 10.30. I'd be very surprised if Calgary doesn't take this one. Um, the whole thing They've with got the, the series. offensive juggernaut Milan Lucic, baby. Lucic has been playing well. Um, like I said, Thursday, it's going to be game four. I'd be surprised if Winnipeg pulls us off. The whole thing with this series is Connor Halbuck had to be really, really, really good, and he's been yeah. fine. Um, he hasn't been the pace they need him to be to win the game or to win the series. And the Jets mm-hmm. just don't have that offense to keep up, um, especially with the injury to Shifley now and Liney missing some time. I think yeah. even before that, they still didn't have the offense. Uh, I picked the Flames in this series, and this is one I think I said I was most confident on. Looking good there so far. Any final thoughts on this one, Chris? I mean, the Jets, I, I picked the Flames as well, but I did. Uh, mentioned that the Jets could easily surprise, in my opinion, at least in the first round. Uh, but they're just they're too decimated at this point, losing Shifley and who knows what's going on with Lining. I think he's had like back issues in the past. Who knows if that's yeah. something that's flaring up again now? Uh, obviously, you know they're not going to say anything as per usual during the NHL playoffs until everything's all said and done. Basically, yeah, especially now. So, um, yeah, and the Jets' defense is just not good. Uh, yeah. Elba could only do so much. But, yeah, like mm-hmm. I said, game four, Thursday, 10-30. Um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. The Bruins actually just scored to make it a 2-1 game. Charlie McAvoy with a shot from the point. A little uh, live update for you guys there. They do but, have Raskin net today, too. They do. There you go. Mm-hmm. We were talking about being on fit to play, but I guess he's fit to play now. Um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so that's good a game for time thing. Yeah, so that's all we have for this one. We just want to talk about where the series are at now, give a little update, our opinions here and there. Um, 
I believe I mentioned earlier how expect to see an episode from us. I believe on the Monday, we want to get one out after all these series end to give our preview and predictions for the next series and give our final thoughts about the series that were just completed. I don't have anything else, anything that popped up in the hockey world or anything, Chris. I don't know if you've had any, you had any news or anything you wanted to mention. No, no, no real news that I can think of. Um, I mean, I'm kind of pulling for the bolts in the East to go all the way. So I'm interested to see how they do. But yeah, no real news or anything. All righty. Well, that's a wrap on episode 11. Chris, any last thoughts? Let's go Devils. All right, everyone. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you all soon.